0: Hello, and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A Canada. My name is Mario Negro, and I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A group at Stike Elliott. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Michelle Pickett. Michelle is a partner at PwC in their Deals Practice Group. Michelle, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thanks
1: for having me, Mario.
0: Michelle, we always start our podcast with a bit of an intro and history of our guests. I'd love to know a little bit more about yourself and about your practice, the work that you do at PwC. So love to start there, if that's okay with you.
1: Sure. So as you indicated, I'm a partner in the deals practice at PwC. I actually sit in the corporate advisory and restructuring practice here. So I work a lot with distressed companies or companies that are underperforming. And typically work with company management and private equity firms looking at value creation opportunities, operational restructuring, distressed M&A, and of course, if all else fails, restructuring.
0: Show what I find interesting about your practice, and obviously we've worked together on a number of transactions for years, is you get in early and really help distressed companies to fix themselves before it's too late you're kind of almost like the person that tries to save them before the insolvency. Given where we're at in the market and all that's happening, I wanna get your perspective on the work you're doing these days, what you're seeing. People, of course, would be very interested to hear from you if you're busy and the kind of work you're working on.
1: Yeah, it's a great kind of description of it. Working in the restructuring business, the goal is to get in early. When we get in early, there's a lot more opportunities available to assist the business, to find opportunities to improve, whether it's on the value creation side, doing operational improvements, working capital improvements, there's a lot more runway to be able to do that. And there tends to be a lot more liquidity available to invest in some initiatives. If it's left too long, unfortunately, and if we get called and it's kind of last minute and company's really struggling, it's tough to have the time or the runway to be able to create that value and address some of the operational concerns. And then you're strictly focused on liquidity and cash flow at that point in time. So We definitely are doing much more of this, like I said earlier, working with company management and private equity, looking at PORCOs and helping them really focusing on in-depth data analysis to understand the business and some of the drivers and some of the issues in the business. I don't think cost cutting is as much as saying, I want to actually take 20% out of the business. I think that has to be done very strategically. With in-depth data analysis, you can really understand the business a bit more to find out what needs to change in the business, usually operationally, to drive some of that value and cut out some of the costs, as opposed to just saying, I'm gonna take 20% or 30% across the board. So we definitely see a lot more interest from our clients in doing that. And then of course, with people looking to sell the business, they're looking for ways to create value Improve EBITDA so that they can improve the multiples and obviously the value that they get from selling a business.
0: We're in a market where uh, we're seeing interest rates go up and supply chain and all these other issues. In terms of the type of work you're seeing, Michelle, where do you find you're spending your time on? What type of improvements do you focus on with companies? Is there any kind of sector, industry, any particular element of a business where you find these days in this kind of market you're spending a lot of your time?
1: So. I think the supply chain issue and just the issues that we had in 22 and in 21, there's definitely overhang from that. We're hearing that across the board, both from lenders, that they actually are overinvested in terms of inventory and they're lending on so much inventory. And in 21, if you think of going into Christmas, a lot of even retailers just didn't have enough inventory. So then... They overbought for the next year. They effectively overcorrected at a time when the consumer demand started to abate. And then, of course, that rise in interest rate early in 2022. So it was almost like a perfect storm because when the cost of goods coming from Asia got to be five times what they normally would be, it was very expensive to buy goods from Asia just from the freight perspective. And that actually ends up in their inventory and landed costs. So you had Companies with very bloated inventories, both in terms of volume plus in terms of cost, When the market turned, you can't slow that down quickly. It can take up to four months to get product from Asia. When you think of the production time, then the transportation time on the water, plus the time to get it across Canada, depending on where it has to come from in terms of the port, very lengthy process. If you add on the supply chain issues, I had a client and it was an eight-month delay. Well, even if they stopped ordering back, you know, it would take seven to eight months for that to work its way through the system. So they were still getting inventory when they actually didn't need them. And they didn't have the ability to be able to pull that back because the goods were either on the water, in a container, at the port, but they were completed. So it's taking a lot longer to unwind that inventory position in a time when demand has shifted. And so Companies with bloated inventory, because of the landed costs, are now going into a market with reduced demands. There's pressure on pricing. Customers know that the shipping costs have gone down, so the expectation is that the prices will decrease. But from the company side, the pressure is, if I reduce the price, I'm going to reduce my margins, which means I'm going to reduce my profitability. So tough kind of situation to be in, and you're seeing that in many different industries. The ones that are caught in the middle are the distributors. So the distributors bought inventory, but their customers are kind of saying, well, our supply channels are full, we don't need any right now, and they don't have anywhere else to push it. And so it's more difficult for them because they have overbought. And at some points last year, they didn't even have enough capacity in their own warehouses for this inventory, and they were actually paying for third-party storage facilities to be able to keep this good. So very expensive cost of the inventory at that point in time. It's starting to abate, but it's going to take some time to get that through the system. And it's just going to be how well companies are capitalized, what their liquidity is to be able to hold on through that period. But there's definitely going to be some challenges for some businesses.
0: I know, Michelle, you're obviously brought in in these situations when those challenges are becoming overbearing or they feel insurmountable. Without telling us the secret sauce, what do you focus on, if I can ask, you're trying to fix these before it's too late. What's your focus when you're trying to deal with some of these issues? How do you correct the ship if you want to call it that?
1: We never can give away the secret formula. (laughs) Always for these, you're trying to improve their bottom line. You're trying to improve their profitability. So you're trying to figure out where are their ways to actually improve what they're doing. And it's really finding up the root cause of the issues. Like how efficiently are they operating the business? What are they doing that they shouldn't necessarily need to be doing? What can they change? How quickly can they change those things and affect those leapers? And I'll give you an example. Working with a client, they had a lot of people in customer service and another part of their finance function and trying to understand why they had so many people. And we found out, well, it's a pretty manual process, but we have a lot of volume of small orders. And it's high touch, because each one of those orders had to be dealt with manually. And when we looked at the cost to serve versus the size of the orders, the cost to serve in many instances was higher. So the cost to actually deal with that order was actually higher than the cost of the order. So it's actually more than the gross profit that they were earning on those orders. So then when we actually stratified and looked at their business, it turned out that they had more than 50% of their volume was in this low dollar value order. And so even if you improve their profit margin, when the cost to serve was high, it was very difficult to make money on those lower volume invoices. So that was an opportunity for them. What do you do to change that? What are the options? Can you actually set a minimum order size so that you actually take out those smaller volume orders? And then when we looked also, the revenue coming from them it was a small fraction of their total revenue but it was a make work project like really it employed a lot of people a lot of fixed costs in s g n a in bodies and people just to be able to affect those sales so there's many other layers of analysis that you would do to figure out what do we ultimately want to do with that and the impact now we have a starting point we have an opportunity here how do we address this opportunity? Do we add an admin fee? Do we add a cost to those? But how do we actually recover some profitability through that? So this is a business that has been in business for many, many decades, but management had not looked at that aspect of their business before. We also looked at the profitability of their customer base. And you could see that under a certain threshold of sales, they just weren't profitable. So we gave options for the company to be able to say, okay, how do I slice and dice this? Can I actually make a decision with respect to customers that are actually unprofitable? Like, should I be serving those customers? That's kind of what I mean in terms of looking at this and finding opportunities to change the way the business operates, as opposed to just saying, I'm cutting out 20% of my people or 20% of any kind of expense, but actually look at it smartly, And with the base of how does it work in terms of their operations and what do I do to affect change that's going to add value?
0: I want to highlight something that you just said, because we've known each other for many years. And one of the things you've always said to me every time we connect is I wish companies would come to us sooner because you can affect change when there's more runway. My simplistic way of saying it, and I know we've talked about it a lot, that People come to you too late. The kind of services you provide are unique in that we talk about improvements and all, but, you know, you're dealing with companies that are generally underperforming, distress. People can interpret that many different ways. When do you find it's the right time to come and see you? When do you find it's too late? What's your perspective on when people should be drilling down before it's too late?
1: So and that's not an easy question to answer because every business is different, different. because... Yeah. Depending on the size of the business and the liquidity of the business, some companies can kind of lop along being unprofitable for several years before they really get in trouble from a liquidity standpoint. I think once it's a liquidity issue, then it's getting to the point of being too late. Once your account's payable, once your obligations start extending because you don't have the ability to be able to pay people on time and it's getting pretty extended and managing cash becomes almost a full-time job of someone. It's way too late at that point in time. You've seen this change in your profitability and maybe you've gone to losses and you don't know why. You can't tie it to one thing in particular. It's, as some people would say, death by a thousand cuts, but it's a whole bunch of different things. And it could come about, maybe it's an industry change that's brought this about, a change in regulations, maybe just in terms you haven't been keeping up with the expectations in your market and you have stronger competitors, anything that you see that erosion in value, and sometimes it could be an erosion in top line sales as well. And, you know, it's a good idea then to reach out for that assessment and to see, and to really understand the root causes of these changes in your business. And while you're in a position to have some liquidity and funds to be able to invest in making that change, make those changes. So that would be my recommendation.
0: You're in a dynamic space right now. Obviously, people look to you in terms of understanding where some elements of the market are going because obviously the more distressed companies we see, the more we feel as though the market's going in a certain direction. So we always ask our guests the crystal ball question. I particularly want to ask you the crystal ball question because you give us a flavor of what you see, what we can expect to see. So from your perspective, based on what you're working on and what you're seeing, i to get a sense from you on what your expectations are for the market for the rest of the year, what your sense is of where we're at and where we're going from where you sit.
1: So I think the interest rate changes, you're gonna see that really take effect in the next few months. A lot of companies have a trailing 12 month financial covenant, and we're getting into like 12 months since we started the rate increases. So now you're getting the full impact of the interest rate increases into that debt service amount in a time that EBITDA or the company's earnings in many cases hasn't been increasing and has actually been decreasing. So you're going to see a larger denominator against a numerator that has either not moved or declined. And it's going to put a lot of companies offside on that fixed charge coverage ratio. That's just from a covenant perspective. But even from a funding perspective, as these rates are now like two, three times higher than they were before, depending on how your rate was set in your agreement. So the cost of actually funding and servicing that debt is getting higher. And so companies, when we started this, had additional liquidity. They had funding available to them. As this has gone on, the liquidity has actually declined. And so I think you're going to find it's going to start impacting companies now and moving forward. And then from the bank's perspective, and this is the crystal ball part of that, is with companies with the December year end, They typically have 90 days to provide their statements to the bank. So the companies are kind of living in their own little world at this point in time because the banks don't necessarily know what their financial results were for the year and they haven't necessarily done that covenant calculation. So what we're seeing on the street is we're seeing a lot more activity from debtors, from companies, but not so much on the lending side. What we expect is we're going to see more activity on the lending side and As we move out, because companies are going to start to trip covenants. And so they're going to have to deal with amendments, waivers. And so that's what we're expecting to see. And then part of that we're seeing is going to be who's going to be affected by it. I think real estate is a sector that is going to be affected by it, particularly depending on whether the debt is short term or longer term. So anyone with short term debt that's going to audit, especially term debt that matures and are going to get caught up with that automatic big swing in interest are going to be companies that are going to get affected by this moving forward.
0: One more question for you. Obviously, we focus on M&A. Are you going to see a lot more distressed M&A? Are you seeing it? Are you expecting it?
1: Yes. So we're definitely seeing it now. I just picked up another project this week and it's going to be a distressed sale that we're going to do. And that's an interesting piece, because if you think of what we're seeing is a lot of the interest rates are high. And if you can't get refinancing through a SCADA bank and you have to go to the next tier or private debt lenders, we're like into the double digits easily and sometimes higher. So very expensive funding, but they are actually being selective and they're being selected, particularly the messages that we've heard repeatedly is that we are overexposed to inventory. And so it's gonna leave less solutions for companies that maybe with a SCADA bank that actually are looking to refi, and I think that's going to end up turning into distressed m and On the positive side, I think there's still a lot of money in the market, and especially in the mid-market. Our transaction service group, which does financial due diligence for deals, is still pretty busy or fairly busy in the mid-market. And we're also hearing that there's a lot of funds still out there that PEs have to put into deals. So there's definitely going to be interest in that distressed m and I think.
0: Michelle, I want to thank you for joining us. Greatly appreciate your perspective, especially at this time. And having you tell us a little bit more about what you're working on, what you're seeing has been super helpful for us. I have to admit that in one way, I'm happy to see a lot more MA coming. I don't know if I'm as happy to see it's distress, stress, but I, look, at least it's activity, <laughs> at least it's activity. But thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining us and your perspective, I think, is super helpful for this time. My pleasure.